We have a special, special announcement today from Candace Burt. Candace Burt has been on our podcast before. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, um, go back and listen to it. We'll link it to the description of this of this podcast. But Candace is a, not only a, an exceptional runner, but also a race director of seven other races in the Pacific Northwest and that area. And she's been teasing the audience for probably a couple weeks now about this new event that she's been scheming in her mind. The social media has been all abuzz, Scott. We've got is that the word abuzz? I don't know abuzz. <laughs> we we have Twitter going off. We have Facebook messaging going off, and and people are inquiring what is it that she has up her sleeve. Well, she's she's tipped us off. And we have her on right now as a quick uh, announcement to what this new event is. Candace, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Are are you really going to tell us? Is is this just <laughs> another you know a, a promo preview? Or are you going to get right down to it and tell us what's going on? I think it's time. I really want to get the word out, and the sooner I do that, the better, because um, I think people are going to really have to plan ahead for this event. Okay, I've got both hands on the chair, both feet on the ground. I have my calendar out. Good. <laughs> Candace, That's what, what in the heck is going on? Well, um, I've created a 200-mile race uh, That's in too the long. US That's here. too long. Candace, <laughs> that's too long. 200 well, miles. Well, there's only, there's only two other 200-mile races right now um, that I know of in the U.S. that aren't relays, um, and both of them are sort of repeat uh, loop courses. And this, um, what I really want to do is create something like the Tour de Giants, but for the U.S., mm-hmm. I feel like there's a real need for longer distance stuff here, longer than 100 miles. Oh, um, I'm leaning forward. In an area, in an area with really um, cool trails. So I created the, um, the Tahoe 200, which will be a full circumnavigation of Lake Tahoe using mostly the TRT, so the Tahoe Rim Trail, but we have um, some detours around um, around the lake as well that make it 200 miles, um, exploring Aspen um, meadows, rock gardens of giants, small and possibly blue lakes, thick canopied forests, and long ridge lines with stunning views. So it's a pretty magical course. Now, now give us some details on this. What, about what what time of the year do you plan on, on holding this? Well, right now, um, trying to get permits for September 5th through um, the 9th. So mm-hmm. it'll be the, the weekend or the week and the weekend after Labor Day. Um, so that's Labor a, Day weekend. That, that is a beautiful time of the year around that lake, and, and should this, the view should be just stunning. So get, yeah. how about support? I mean, 200 miles, to give us a little bit of information about how this looks for a runner. What, through their eyes, what are we going, going to see? Well, um, there's going to be uh, water-only aid stations and full aid stations, and we'll also have sleep aid stations, um, so people will have an opportunity to sleep a little bit, just like in Tour de Giants. They're going to have um, sleep stations about every 50 miles. We we actually have we do have five of them though, because we met, we're that'll give um, the slower runners and the faster runners different options depending on what time of day it is. Now, now hold um, on, they, Candace. I, I've got to stop you right there. Sleep station. Now I'm really now I'm really interested because if you're going to tell me that there is a an opportunity to to bed down and and get some shut eye, I'm thinking this sounds like it might be doable. <laughs> it is, yeah. And the um, the idea is that 
most people, probably everybody's going to need some amount of sleep. You'll be timed from start to finish. So it's not a stage base, but um, but you will have opportunities where we'll have cots and blankets and a full aid stations with hot food. Um, the sleep stations will be like that. It'll be like a full-on um, place to hang out and take a little break. Um, but I think most people will probably sleep you know, two to five hours at a time, not necessarily a full night's sleep because they, they are being timed from start to finish. So right. it's a strategy thing. Do, does a runner need to carry their own sleeping bag and sleep gear or can they use are, are there drop bags so that they could actually put stuff at these sleep stations? Yeah, there'll be drop bags at, um, at all of the full aid stations. Um, there's 11 full aid stations, and we might add more, but we want to have sort of a basic idea um, so every uh, 15 to 20 miles, there's a full aid station and then a, a smaller aid station every 10 miles. Um, but but we'll have blankets there for runners. So you you don't even necessarily have to have, um, you don't have to have like five sleeping bags, which will be nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we you've, you've planted the hook in most of our listeners' mouths. <laughs> this is a fishing um, metaphor because it's a All lake. Right. All right, good, thanks. So you've 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 planted the hook in their mouth, um, Scott. Metaphors aren't good if you have to explain that they're a metaphor. Okay, people should just recognize it. Most people understood the metaphor I was explaining for you. Oh, was, uh, it, was it my mouth that was open? That, yeah. That all right. Um, how does one qualify to participate in the race? Is there a limit of participants? Yes, um, so we're going to cap it at 200 runners. And um, Where did you come up with that number? Is that just an arbitrary number? I'm joking. It doesn't sound like it, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, it seemed like uh, a good starting point. I, I'd love to get it to be more like 400 runners, but um, we just want to make sure our impact is minimal on the trails. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other events that go on at Tahoe, so to get permits from the Forest Service, it seemed like a good place to start um and we want it to feel intimate and you know like a, a small um race not not like some big event that you know you just feel like one of many many people but instead each runner you know will get lots of attention and care so and qualifications do you have to have run something or or, or just uh show a new pair of shoes that have 200 miles left on them what's your qualification well, uh, we we want to make sure that runners have done a 100-mile race before. Um, ideally, they'll um, qualify by having done one 100-mile mountain trail race within the past two years. And if, if they haven't done a mountain trail race, we ask that they have done two 100-mile races. Um, we just want to make sure that people understand what they're getting into. Um, although, you know, studies have found that 200 miles can be easier on your body than 100 because you go slower and you take little naps. So hmm. I hey, feel like you know, I feel like people will be able to handle it even if they haven't done a lot of 100-mile races. You, you know, Candace, you know, on the Barkley Marathon, they have you bring in a license plate or a pair of socks or something. This is an opportunity for you to collect something that you're really interested in. You, you know, <laughs> now that you're forming this race. How, how are you doing on socks? <laughs> I have a lot of socks. Okay, Maybe well, people could bring me a sock just... 
I have a lot of like one socks, so they don't have a match. <laughs> so maybe they could bring me one sock. The one that matches could... one that you have in your in your uh, <laughs> drawer. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, and that and and if they send the right one, they get in the race. <laughs> so so where does one go to find how to register for this race and more information? So uh, the website is tahoe200.com. That's T A H. O E and then two hundred um, as in the number two zero zero. We've we've had a chance to look at that uh, an early preview of that site and it's it's worth just traveling over there to, on that website just to look at it. You've got some beautiful images there, fantastic. This would be a great time to take a family vacation to Tahoe. I think <laughs> you need to plan something like that early. You know, plant that seed, Scott, in in your spouse's head, and and then just oh my goodness, look! It just so happens that there's a little a little race going on here. Let's let's incorporate that into our plans. I oh think... boy, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that causing some trouble. <laughs> Candace, we think this That's is a great. great idea. We think this is a, a a great race. We're we're happy to have heard about it uh, right from the onset. I think you've put together one. You have great race experience. You've you've done seven races and 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 a race director, so you know what goes into a race. You know what racers need, and and the logistics on something like this could only be done by someone that has has some uh, time on their feet as a director. So I see this as successful, and uh, who doesn't want to be the, among the the few that get to say we were the first inaugural, yeah, Tra- you, yeah, tr- uh, uh, and a personal a personal record a PR is certainly waiting for that group. <laughs> <laughs> so, Candace, yeah. congratu- congratulations on your vision and and your passion for trail running and, and creating something like this for us to create some memories with. We appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Scott and Don. You bet. Now go out and Tahoe, Moss. <laughs> Our Tailwind Nutrition Tip of the Trail comes from none other than Mr. Scott War. Scott? Oh, was this mine? <laughs> you said you had the, the no, tip here, of a lifetime. Here's, here's the tip. Uh, if, you have, if you've downloaded this podcast, you know that the podcast you're going to be listening to in a short amount of time is our uh, one with Warren Pohl. And uh, we were on a, uh, a nice trail run with Warren Pohl recently, um, a section of the Western States Trail. And my tip is sometimes you got to slow down and smell the roses or in this case stop and look at the views and and we had a chance to do that because Warren had not run this most spectacular portion of western states his first time on the trail and it was as clear the the day was as clear as could be you it was could beautiful. see you could see to the start of western states and to the end if you could rise up high enough <laughs> right it was just that clear and we took moments to just to pause and say Look at that. And Scott, we've run that that course many, many times, that section, because it's local and a favorite of ours. And I saw some things I hadn't seen. Yeah. And and, and we started when the stars were out. And he, w- he commented on how beautiful the stars were. I guess they don't have stars in London. <laughs> not like our stars. Western state stars are different, Scott. We're talking twinkling stars, not Hollywood stars. Um, so my, my tip is, 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 it's not all about all every single run. It's not about turnover, about just pounding out the miles. Uh, you know, take out the earbuds every once in a while. Put us on pause. If you're listening to this pod, put us on pause and stop and just look around. That's the tip. I love the tip. So go to tailwindnutrition.com. Thank you, Tailwind Nutrition, for sponsoring this tip of the trail. Uh, in fact, on that run, 
I, I was I just remembered this on that run I had two bottles worth of ta- with with Tailwind one with Berry and Naked mm. mixed and the other one was with Berry and Lemon mixed I ran my 18 miles because that's how long we ran on two bottles Tailwind Nutrition I had uh, what did I I had Mandarin Orange love it two scoops straight. each bottle two scoops straight each, up straight up two scoops each bottle that's all I needed all day. The Petzl Running Strategy, brought to you by ultra runner and ultra race director, Candace Burt. Candace, what do you have for us? Well, uh, as a race director, I think it's important for runners to know that we keep track of you um, during the race at all the eight stations and the, and the finish line. So, you know, if you're having a problem in the race, it's good to tell an aid station or if you're going to drop, um, let us know so that we're not out looking for you after dark while you're having a beer at home, <laughs> chilling on your couch. And, and also as you're going through those aid stations, making sure that when you go in, your your bib number is showing or you yell at the person that's sitting in the chair at the beginning of the aid station and the aid station worker, as you leave the aid station worker, just let, just give them a shout and say, number 212, leaving. I think that's a good idea, yeah, don't you think? Great. Yeah, that's a great point. It's one of my favorite parts to get to just howl out your number, and <laughs> you know, and it kind of gives me, it gives you a little energy because I think so. when you say that, people say, "Go get them, have at it," you know, it's all go to twelve. Yeah, so uh, it's safe and it's fun. Thanks for that tip, Candace. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, go look at uh, Petzl.com and look at all their cool head torches, especially those that are designated and invented and developed especially for trail running great stuff we in fact that's what you and i used this morning scott as it we had our petzl nows on our head and we were lighting up the trail and it is amazing how much light that does give you and it's it's there's safety there too if you have decent light boy you can sure save an injury i will tell you there's a portion of today's run that we did that uh, there was a car coming at us yeah and it was in the dark and because we had that head torch on, I think that car was a little nervous. They thought a car was coming right at them. Scott, what, you, we're trail runners. What, what was a car doing on the trail? It was a, a paved section that uh, transported us to our parking spot. Got it. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> now go get a Petzl now and run. Moss. Are we recording? I'm not nervous. I got this. Let's just do it. And it was a miserable, miserable day. Um, I'll say I'm Faith Goss. You say I'm Don Freeman. Oh, okay. I like I, Faith Goss is not one of them. Okay. Yeah. And action. Welcome to another edition of Trail Runner Nation. Can't hear you. you can't hear me? No. Nope. Scott, hello, hello. Because you're deaf. because I'm. <laughs> Don't speak for the rest of the crew just because hello. you can't. Now hear I can me. hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to plug in my headphone. What do you think, Warren? So when you when you talk, you need to be up on this thing. Well, he's right, a professional. Right up on it like this. Well, kind of. Don't swallow yeah. the mic. Yeah. All right. Welcome to another edition of Trail Runner Nation. I'm Don Freeman. I'm Faith Goss. And I'm Scott War. And I'm Warren Pohl sitting here with these guys rather than being on a Skype line on the other side of the He's of the live. <laughs> he's across the table instead of across he's, the pond. He's not. He's he's not a personality. He's real. You know, I always wondered what uh, if there was really a Warren Pole, but now I see him, and he's live and in person. And in fact, with his lovely bride Erica, who's here, 
in the background, keeping a, keeping an eye on us, making sure we stay uh, stay intact. Keeping Make, Warren in line. Making sure we end on time. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I want to know why you're here. Okay, I, I why am I it's here? It's a podcast? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I thought, well, I'd been in, Austra- I'd been in Australia um, for a friend's wedding, and uh, you're kind of on the way home. <laughs> and, you know, so where, where would I stop on the way home other than the foyer of uh, Don Freeman's chiropractic clinic here <laughs> next to the uh, skeleton and then I'm going with Erica we're going to a tiny place with a population of 2,000 I think somewhere in Washington State for five weeks for a top secret project five weeks five weeks up there um, which you will know all about in due course and we are itching to reveal to everyone mm-hmm. but we've got a lot of work to do there um, and then we're all going to run the Grand Canyon, aren't we? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm in for oh, that, yes. really? I didn't know anything some, about that. Some of us. Rim to rim to rim? Was it 40 miles? 54. Rim to rim to rim to rim to rim? Wasn't that it? No, that's <laughs> like, that's a lot of miles. We're, we're are going, you going at, um, was it Bright Falls or whatever it's Well, well you know, those are details, Faith. Mm. I know we're starting on one end of the canyon, <laughs> going to the other, and coming back to the car. Awesome. Don knows there's some downhill and uphill. That's all he knows. That's right. all I know. That's what I hear, too. So are you going to go, Faith? I'd love to. Okay, good. Depending we on could, when. When? All right. When, when doesn't work for you, we'll make sure it works. I think it's November 20th, It was, right? was going to be November 20th, right? but we're going to have to change the schedule slightly. All right. So we'll probably have to get the diaries out, maybe looking about a week after that if we can. Perfect. Thanksgiving? Yeah. Thanksgiving. We Do they have, have turkey in the Grand Canyon? Do they, they will have if we're going have on Thanksgiving. They'll have four of us, yeah. <laughs> They'll have four turkeys. So well, what does England do with uh, with Thanksgiving? Do you guys have a Thanksgiving? <laughs> don't have Thanksgiving? We, we don't know what Thanksgiving is. <laughs> it's an American holiday. They, mourn, they actually mourn that day because that's when they lost their title of being conquerors, World, world right? Empire. Yeah, yeah, World Empires because then they became Americans and... Because they made America. That's July 4th. That's, that's an American that's view, by the way. Day. Well, no, no. That, I, I think that's a no. pretty good way of looking at it. All I know is that um, if you go near the American embassy, then there are some Americans getting quite excited there in the park or in some of the pubs. But generally in England, it, it doesn't register too highly. It's just another, another Thursday for you. A, a Thursday in November. Is it always a Thursday? It's always a, always Thursday. a Thursday. Fourth Thursday. It's so that we can it's, get the weekend off. It's, it's a probably a good people-watching time in England because you're watching all the Americans get more fat and more happy, right? Because they're eating We do it, that a all lot. the time. Yeah, it's, know, it's quite I'm hard saying. to split them that way in London. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Scott, Canada has uh, Thanksgiving because... They do. They do. Yeah, they, I don't know. It's a different date or something, but I, I know is a, a man that is from Canada, and he reminds me that it's uh, a Canadian Thanksgiving. That's true. So, Just hit record, and I have the next question. Well, okay, Question away, Scott War. Are you going to hit record? I'm recording. We, took, <laughs> we had a slight uh, interruption, and so but we're back. We're back live. We're back and uh, catching up. So, so here's my question for Warren. You know, we we just talked about Thanksgiving. I don't know if you knew, but today is National Cat Day. Well, that's <laughs> another reason I am it's here on this particular day. October 29th. Today, yes, in the United States, we have a United a, a, a I, National Cat mm-hmm, Day. That, mm-hmm. That's so good. I mean, we and how, it's how celebrated are you cele- countrywide. How are you celebrating Cat Day? Uh, my main interaction with cats today, I think, was running over a squash one on the, <laughs> on the way here. It was kind of smeared across three lanes. Really hard to miss. There's a severe penalty for that here in this country, especially it, it, it on Cat me. Day. It, it was done already. By <laughs> several thousand people, it looked like. Uh, so, I got there. well, then you're okay. You're you're just a uh, what is that? A contributor? What what is that? When you've uh, when accomplice? You, uh, uh, yeah, 
an accomplice. Guilty by association. That too. So here, here's one of the fun things that we have planned while Warren is here. He's, he's spending the night, and uh, we are going to introduce Warren tomorrow to a section of the Western States Trail, which we call the Cal Loop section, which is 18 miles from Forest Hill down to the river. And if any of you have looked at any videos of Western States, there's the river crossing, which is a epic part of Western Rucka, States. Rucka Chuck. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that have run it that are listening. We're hoping mm-hmm. people have run this race that we're talking about, Scott. There, there's not too many people. There's less people that have run Western States than have climbed Everest. And we'll talk about that in a second because they've we changed won't. some of the rules and some of the entries. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good to talk about. And we'll, we'll get some opinions from the four of us. On I, I'd like to know from two Western States veterans, Don and Scott, what do you think of when you think of the cow loop? Well, it's mile 62. And it's a place where you pick up your pacer. So it gives you a chance to uh, then unite with uh, a, a friend and hopefully a, a confidant to help you navigate these final 38 miles. And the great and it's a great aid station because there's all kinds of hoopla going on. It's a, you weigh in at a medical aid spot, and then uh, usually the crew has great access because there's only so many places that crew has access on Western states. It's not like Every six or eight miles, there's your crew. There's only a few places that you get to interact with them. So that's a great reunion. You've got the big canyons behind you, and there's some climbing in front of you, but a, a good set of downhill to get down to the river. So it's a way place to catch up. So that's it, what I think of. And it, there, there's, there's a couple things that come to mind when, when you ask that question. One is it's a huge hurdle. Mm-hmm. When you get to Forest Hill, that is the big hurdle from there down to the river is kind of a coasting. Um, you know, there's some climbs, but it's mostly a coast. Mm-hmm. You've just climbed through three of the hardest canyons. Mm-hmm. The heat of the day, it's mm-hmm. usually, for slow people like me, that's when the, the sun has gone down. So that's when you pick up your headlamp, typically. And so you're running down to the river. It's starting to cool off, and it's really nice. Now, the veterans say that's where the race starts. Right. Mm-hmm. Forest Hill is where the race starts. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you bide your time until you get to Forest Hill, and that's where the race starts. And they're coming through at about 2 o'clock. I mean, they're coming maybe even before, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. They're, they're rolling through pretty, mm-hmm. pretty early, still hot. And uh, so it's a, it's a good place to, to— Most of them cool, on the river, cool in the river when they get down there. They splash around. One thing that comes to mind, my mind from someone that's never run Western States, but I have run the Cal Loop, and this is a piece of advice to you is well, you're going tomorrow, Faith. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest yeah. your quads <laughs> now <laughs> because you won't feel them the next day. Oh, well, I, I've I've had probably uh, a really good taper. Thirteen <laughs> hours sitting on a flight from Australia, and then seven hours sitting in the car to get here. So I think my quads are pretty good, but my <laughs> calves are like bullets, and I can barely walk. <laughs> Work that out tomorrow. What, so, what, what, when we told you that we were going to do this, what uh, what kind of expectations do you have of this run? So um, the Western States for me exists as a mythical creature on the other side of the world. Um, and I've seen it in still pictures and the odd small video. But really it's the still pictures that come to mind. And there's this sort of nice sun-dappled trail, nice sun-dappled trail, um, beautiful uh, light, uh, a nice gentle run. Um, you're normally looking at the front runners in these stills. They look pretty good. Probably they just come <laughs> from one of those massive buffet aid stations that you've got over here. You know. And um, so I was thinking, yeah, that would be really nice. And then I thought, hmm, what with all my rehab and injuries this year, this is going to be basically uh, a good eight miles further than I've run at all this mm. year. 
So uh, there's an interesting point. And uh, <laughs> then I thought, well, it's a bit like this is your Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and that's hell on a stick. So presumably this is not going to be a very easy run at all tomorrow. And I'm really rather looking forward to getting my stabilizers and rehab stabilizers off and uh, seeing if I can get through it. Well, and you know that there's no... There's no... You mid, can't check. You, you, once you start, you're 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 committed because yeah. I guess unless you turn around because there's nowhere to get out. Once yeah. you start it, you're in a canyon and you're not getting out until you get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and then there's a nice climb out of the canyon. Nice climb out of the canyon. I, I convinced Don to park the jeep at the bottom. Oh, I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to climb out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is a beautiful course, and and we're gonna make sure we start uh, after the sun is up, so we get full view of that. And and there's something else that's very special about that area now, as of a few weeks ago. Faith, this was the setting of your wedding. Oh. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, you forgot about it already. <laughs> uh, she got married in Forest Hill. And it was, you had the most spectacular view Aww. over the canyon, and, and it was just a great, great ceremony. It was a great day. It was gorgeous out there. And if you got bored at the wedding ceremony, the best part about it is you could look out on the canyons. So it, it, Well, well th- there was no doing that. It, it was fun. But, and I'll tell you, you know how to throw a party, Faith Goss. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, pro- the, the, only, the only disadvantage was is, is Running in dress shoes down to the can down the bottom of the canyon <laughs> to get to mm-hmm. the buffet. Yeah, yeah. She did. She did require a mile mile and a half uh, jog to get to the actual <laughs> ceremony from the receptionary and then back. Yep. So, so an official five k was completed uh-huh, for each uh-huh. each attendee. Well, you actually runaway bride and groom. Then. <laughs> <laughs> did the two of you just leg it off after the ceremony? No, Darren. Darren doesn't run the canyons. He's never had the privilege of running the canyons, but we'll get him out there soon enough. He but doesn't fancy the privilege at mm, 6 o'clock tomorrow morning? Nope, nope, nope. He is not going to be doing that. He uh, he uh, has never done the, the canyons before, and I, I think it would be a rude awakening. What are you doing over there, Don? Oh, I've got this picture here to show Warren of your... Oh, the wedding? That's the a wedding. terrible photo. Are you kidding? I, I think, Faith, you Which posted photo? that on your actual... That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And that only adds to my impression that tomorrow is going to be a serene, beautiful, <laughs> like, what easygoing experience. <laughs> Would you like to see a picture from oh, your wedding? Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah, from my own wedding. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, it was um, it was definitely a picturesque wedding, and tomorrow is going to be even more beautiful because I think you know the temperatures changed a little bit, so the colors in the canyons are going to be the leaves are beautiful. It's going to be great. Bring your bring yeah. your uh, camera phone or your camera or what do you call it in England? We we call them. A, a, I guess I'd call that an iPhone. Oh, we call it, oh, fancy that. We call it that here, what too. Do you, call you call them iPhones, yeah. yeah what, Tablets. It's like they have a different word for everything. Well, he came in and he started talking about head torches, and I was a little bit concerned because we're taking him out to the canyon, and I'm envisioning him with a head torch on, and I'm like, well, we, that's we what can't we, do that, that out here. That's we have what forest we wear fires. Now. That's what we wear now. We've, we've been kind of changing the uh, the lexicon from headlamp, thinking that lamps, well, as, as Warren said earlier, a headlamp is something on your vehicle, on your car. Mm-hmm. The ones and, at the front. And and, and Scott had, <laughs> opposed to the tail lamp. Exactly. And Scott has reminded us that a lamp is something on, on your bedside when you're reading. And, 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 and you wouldn't put that on your head, would you? You certainly would. <laughs> that would be a bit Some awkward. Some people do when they're a little inebriated. But possibly. Be, you'd need a very long extension lead to go around. <laughs> and so a torch is the official uh, term we're, we're, we're using. And... Uh, so what I was going to ask you, yeah. you know, Warren, you had mentioned, I think on a previous podcast, that you're overcoming an injury this year. Tell us a little bit about what your injury is and 
what the prescription was for you to recover and how that's going? Well, it's been a long and complicated path. Um, the short version is it's a pair of Achilles injuries that struck. Because you have two Achilles? Yes. Okay. I, I have, but they're on different legs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if they came as a package deal in England or you had two on separate legs. Yeah, there was a two for one deal, but I, I didn't go for that. And I just got... <laughs> how, how, how did you injure them? Apparently, I did it by running. <laughs> okay. That was, that was the thing. And what I've subsequently learned is, um, I don't know, has anyone else here suffered Achilles pain that goes away after you've been running for about 10 minutes? Yes. No. No. Yes, totally. Well, you can. I'm just saying no for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yes. I've, I've never had Achilles issues. I mean, I will if Once you want I me to. Once I warm Faith, up, it goes away. I will if you perfect. want me to, Faith. Okay. I, I will I'll claim it? I have it. Nearly. Because that's, that's what I had, and I kept running through it, and I knew I probably should do something about it, but... Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc had been done. I'd eased up on more, all my rehab a bit too mm-hmm. much and my maintenance, and I kept running through it. And what do you know? It got to a point where it was too uncomfortable to keep running. Mm. Um, it turns out that you can injure your Achilles without knowing it. Hmm. So the Achilles, when it's injured, it doesn't really hurt. Mm. And in the point that you're creating the damage, it generally doesn't really hurt either. It just hurts a bit when you start running. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that goes away. And the for me, I went through the usual channels of thinking, well, I know. You know, I, I've had to look after myself quite a lot now. I've learned quite a lot. I can probably deal with this. And mm-hmm. I couldn't. I went to my regular specialist and I, I didn't really get anywhere. I went to another one. I didn't get anywhere. Um, is it Jay Dickery or is he Dickery? How do I pronounce Jay it? Jay Sherry. Jay Sherry. Not, not daiquiri like the drink. No. <laughs> <laughs> His book was a, was a great help. Um, and one of the big exercises for Achilles problems, um, not to go too deep into this, but... Effectively, these, um, the sort of muscle fibers or the tendon fibers within your Achilles should look like a load of spaghetti, mm-hmm. a load of straight uncooked spaghetti. Okay. And then when you damage them, they uh, instead of all those strands going vertically, you get broken strands mm-hmm. running horizontally. Mm. And to uh, heal those, you need to do eccentrics. So loading mm-hmm. the uh, tendon under stress so you'd sort of hang on your toes mm-hmm. on a step and drop your heel down mm-hmm. under body weight. And that pulls it all straight again. And that worked perfectly for one injury. But it turned out that my other Achilles was a totally different type of injury. Mm. Whereby did, you, did you have the same symptoms? The, well, it felt like the same symptoms. But when I did the magic uh, eccentrics exercise um, for several weeks, it swelled up like a balloon and I could barely walk on it. Oh, no. Uh, Scary. Very, very weird situation. Yeah. And at that point, I then had to go and find another specialist and I finally found a really good team um, and the, the the Achilles it's to do with the way my foot rolls which is very common you know we all pronate as mm-hmm. we as we str- as we strike our heels or our toes um, and the Achilles tends to as the foot rolls the Achilles moves more slowly mm. as the foot rolls so it's sort of catching up like a bowstring and then due to um, another tendon that's in there called plantaris which sounds like something of Star Trek as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, um, that apparently doesn't even have a purpose for us anymore. It's a bit of an evolutionary hiccup. Uh, my Achilles would then bounce into my plantaris, which then caused inflammation and then ruptured the sheath Ouch. around my Achilles. Mm-hmm. And is, so that, is a sheath something that repairs over it, time? Fortunately, it does. But when I saw the thing and felt the thing, uh, I, I was just... It, it nearly broke me because I'd already had six months on the rehab trail uh-huh. trying to work out where I was at and thought I was getting somewhere. And then I finally uncovered that there's a separate injury and I was borderline surgery and that was oh. 
that was about six months ago now. So what can we do to prevent that from progressing? So for the, um, if you have the regular Achilles injury where you've just got the fibers are all messed up and the blood vessels are trying to grow into the tendon to repair it, which only makes it worse, eccentrics will work a treat. But if you have the kind of um, problem where your Achilles is being irritated by bouncing into something else or stressing on something Mm -hmm. else, uh, you will feel uh, inflammation. And the word is crepitus. That's the thing Mm -hmm. you need to look up. I felt that before. You know that one? Where yeah. You, if you I've never even heard of crepitus. C-R-E-P-I-T-U-S, I think. Kay. And if you just uh, put your sort of finger and thumb over your Achilles and you move your toes up and down, so you're, what are you? Mm-hmm. You're not, it's almost like you feel like a popping sensation underneath Plant, the... Yeah, so you're plantar flexing the foot oh. and you can feel the Achilles running through between your thumb and finger. Um, if it feels slightly lumpy as it goes through, then that's a bit of crepitus coming in and it will start to creak as well, mm-hmm. which is what mine did, like an old door. And at that point, you think you're probably destined for a wheelchair. <laughs> but actually, all it needs is big rest, a uh, huge amount of ice in 10-minute bursts, like whenever you remember daily. Um, and once you get that inflammation out and you get the crepitus out, that will finally go away. Mm-hmm. Then you can start gently starting to load it, but eccentrics will only make it worse. So if you're... If you have a question about your Achilles and you think it might be one of the, or other of these, get a specialist opinion and find out before you start doing the eccentrics because every blog where someone has magically recovered, mm-hmm. it's been the former injury which responds to eccentrics. And that will sort you out in a few weeks. So, so are you okay to go running tomorrow? Well, this is the good thing. So the, as part of the three-way approach to my rehab, uh, one of the guys I'm working with is a running coach or a form coach. And he has, because a, a physio, no matter how good, or, or you know, someone could intervene and repair me, but if my running form continues that mm-hmm. same strain, that mm-hmm. same injury is only going to come back. So the uh, the form coach I've been working with has totally altered my form, which is where my running prescription comes in, whereby I'm now up to running two hours and 15 minutes at a stretch, and then each week I add 15 minutes to my, my mm-hmm. three runs a week. So I'm back up to a reasonably good place, no pain. And uh, as long as there's no pain the next morning, I'm fine. So as I think, you know, running with the mare tomorrow. <laughs> what, 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 um, what did he change in your form? Um, what did he have you eliminate or how did he change your running form? So the, the, the first key was, was cadence. And um, so your, your, your foot strike rate. And mine was too slow. And he brought me up to 180 beats per minute. That's what I've heard is the right the right cadence. So that's per foot. Mm-hmm. If you were counting, so that's counting each foot strike. Right. One, two, three, four, mm-hmm. 180 per minute. And that sounds like this. So With my nice metronome. Yeah. So, so do you plug your headphone into that and, and, oh, and train yourself to run that fast? I, I run with this and I now don't need it, but it's with me. And I just check to make sure I'm on track. Will you be playing that loud tomorrow nope, so we can nope, all... Nope, because his phone will end up in the river. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here here's an interesting thing. We just uh, did a podcast with uh, Anton Kropichka, mm-hmm. and we talked about form. If you haven't listened to that podcast, stop right now, go download it, and listen to it, and then come back. <laughs> Does that include me? Because I have it. And <laughs> I, have you listened I, to I it? I got through the J.B. Benner before that one, and this was on the flight over here, and I really had to get sleep, because otherwise well, I'd here, be dozing here, in this podcast. Here, so should I go and listen to you it should, now and come back? You should. And the, we'll pause, and we're back. And we're right. back. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that was a, a takeaway for me on that podcast, because 
you know, when I think of good running form, I think of Tony Kropichka. There's lots mm-hmm. of videos. And on on the podcast description, there's a video there that, that Don and I have just loved for years that shows him slow motion from the side. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, really good form. And so we asked him about that. You know, did you start with good form? Did you learn good form? Do you And, and, and when we asked him the question, do you still consider or think about form or work on your form when you're running now? He said that he doesn't necessarily think about landing midfoot and keeping that foot underneath him. The thing that he thinks about is cadence. Mm-hmm. Is my cadence fast enough? And he said a lot of times runners, when they get fatigued, that cadence will slow down and their form will deteriorate. Whereas if if he's thinking, i got to keep my cadence at that 180-beat cadence, he said, then I know my form is is where it needs to be. So when I think of, I've been thinking about cadence a lot in my running lately, and um, I've been doing a lot of road running, so my cadence is a lot higher than it is on the trail. But one thing I've noticed when I keep my cadence high, I feel like I, I, my hips tend to shut down a little bit and I become way more compact. And now I'm dealing with hip flexor, flexor issues. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Like when you're just, you're trying to run so fast I mean, you're not, you see videos of people like running and their stride is super drawn out. Their back leg is far. When I think about picking up my cadence, I don't feel like I'm stretching out my stride at all because I don't have time. I think there's, it does feel very different. And the first time uh, I've worked with this coach and he gave me this, this cadence, I felt like, um, a, a very camp British comedian who was late for a train. You know, <laughs> the Lionel Blair analogy yeah. he, he won't work. But you know, just it, it was really difficult to get your feet to turn over that fast. And then the more I worked at it, it seems that I thought it couldn't work. But then you're watching people like Mo Farah. And I've got my metronome mm-hmm. app and I'm watching them and I'm telling them, what do you know? 180, even in that 10,000 meter final, there he is. And it seems that a lot of the stride just goes behind you. And as you get faster and you're leaning forward a bit more, okay. your foot is still, the aim of the cadence really is to stop your foot from falling in front of your knee. Mm. And so your foot, you, you can't overstride and you have a, your foot is on the ground for a shorter period of time. Therefore, you're under load for a shorter period of mm-hmm. time, therefore less injury risk. But it seems that you have to work at it to get that, to put it all behind you. Whereas I had always been taught through basically rugby training, which... Who knows what that teaches you? It's useful for running. <laughs> you know, picking up your knees and striding. It really felt like striding forward. And I, I believe the $6 million man has a lot to answer for. <laughs> and, and when, when he ran in slow motion, that's how I tried to run. And that's mm-hmm. massively useless. Well, form. he didn't have overuse injury because his legs were bionic. <laughs> well, maybe that's that's what we were missing. But him, the Hulk, you know, you don't see Bruce Willis running away from an explosion at 180 beats a minute, do you? <laughs> And that's what's done for us all. But it's trying to find a way to get it behind you. And I haven't yet really let the handbrake off on this sort of prescribed running form as I get used to it. I mean, like going downhill, I have no idea what to do because I I basically Mm -hmm. have to almost slow right down because that idea of just letting yourself go. You can't do that tomorrow or your quads will be twice as bad as I told you it was going to be originally. Do you have a wheelchair here? (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the things that uh, on Mark Kukazala's podcast that we talked about on that 180 beats or cadence was the ability for tissues to take in energy and then release it and return. And if you're outside of that 180 rhythm or cadence, that you lose that. And so that free energy is available with that cadence. And so that's another incentive to pick up a metronome and 
plug in and check it out. So, has anybody ever used music? Yeah, they, there's even um, um, there's there a, there's websites. Website, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So you can go on and, and speed up your favorite you favorite song. I've tried it, but I think when we've we've discussed music before, I think we're in a similar place. I, I find music great for about twenty minutes, and after that, you know, there's a lot to think about when you're really running. You like to listen to podcasts. I, I speak like to listen to your your podcast. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> can, can you guys just get a metronome running in the background? That's a good on the idea. Subliminal messaging. We, well, we have the uh, the footstep at the beginning of the yeah. podcast. Maybe we just I've play timed. that in the back. It is, it's about 180. Is yeah. it really? I timed that as well. Did you? Good. <laughs> did you know what? You running? No, I really did. You know what? Erica is going to be running where we recorded that. That is not something we grabbed off the internet. Don and I one one morning recorded that with my iPhone on No Hands Bridge. He held it down by my feet, and I, no, I held it down because we couldn't do both of us. It would be two feet. Yeah, so I we both recorded. I don't know which one we used. Probably yours. Probably yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let, let's just put out a straw poll here of the four people around the table. There, there are two by the sounds of it, Faith and myself, who were running a, a slower cadence and mm -hmm. are struggling to speed up, and we both report. Uh, Achilles problems mm -hmm. and there are two who report no Achilles problems who by recording their own stride appear to be in the ballpark anyway um, no Don Don's form you'll you'll and you'll see tomorrow Don Don is is a student of running form and he's really changed the way that he's run even since I've run with him um, mine has not changed one bit I try to every once in a while I think about it and I try to increase I try to we we even did a podcast for Scott. With we the, did, the, yeah, the one that said heel strike may be okay. We oh, brought that's in right. Peter that's Larson, right. that was the expert. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was for me yeah. because I I I like the heel strike, and it probably uh, attributes to my Achilles heel. Hey, I did, did quotes that. by yeah. when I air said quotes? That. air quotes air Achilles quotes. heel is I on on long runs I get blisters, bad blisters on my heel on the heel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, even in hokas? Are you wearing hokey cokies? <laughs> I'm not wearing hokas tomorrow. No. What are you wearing tomorrow? Well, I I'm, I'm have them on my feet right now. These are... Uh, oh, Brooks Cascadia. Oh. They're a Brooks Cascadia. Very nice. Spotted, which mm -hmm. I, I had not run in before. So what, why, What's your take? So why not just take a brand new pair of shoes and run uh, part of Western States? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've run in them now. Okay. These are, I, I've done everything in Adrenalines until Those are good shoes. a year ago. You can't go wrong with Cascadias. Yeah. Those they're, are like original. I, ha I had an old pair. Yeah. A couple old pairs of Cascadia. Mm -hmm. Are we feeling a general bit of love for them here? I'm, I'm oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're good shoes. I ran uh, run quite a bit lately in the uh, Pure Grit mm -hmm. by Brooks. I've heard those are yep. good, too. Good shoe. Mm -hmm. I might wear those just well, out of look, solidarity yeah, tomorrow I'm, to the uh, I'm, I'm actually interested. What? So what are you going to wear, Faith, I'm, tomorrow? I'm, I haven't run on the trails in so long. Oh, Faith, this is a trail <laughs> podcast. Faith, I know, Faith, I know. Faith, Faith's been doing her, her, I've been her half my, marathons. Uh, my Newtons. I love my Newtons. Um, but I won't dirty them. So <laughs> I'm going to... You're such a girl gosh. sometimes. I'm going to so wear my Montreal Bajadas. Can't go wrong with those. No, that was a good shoe too. And I, you're going to do which one? The, no, I'm going to go Vasque. I'm going to go Vasque tomorrow, the Pendulum. The new shoe that I... That's that's one I... I I don't want to match. You know, th there's been times you, that Scott has picked me up. I'm glad that it's morning because yeah. it, we look like a couple of, you know, Tour de France trail... I mean... Uh, team members? Team members. <laughs> Wearing yeah. the same Both gear. wearing skirts, same color. Yeah. <laughs> skirts? <laughs> well, if you're running the Vasques, I, I'm not <laughs> this, run. this isn't is Scotland. It's not Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you're going to run the Vasques, I, I, I probably won't have to, I won't be able to wear in the Vasques. So, what are you going to go with? He's going Hoka. No, no, no. Um, have you tried the new Hoka? No. Uh, Me either. I, I, I think I may be going either with the Merrill. Mm -hmm. That's a nice shoe. Or maybe even the Trextra. 
Textra. Textra. What about one of each? <laughs> I've never tried that. <laughs> Try something new. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So speaking of Western states, I'm going to throw this out because we're changing subject. Po- Thank you. Well, we really weren't on a subject. I don't know if we've actually started. Faith has to leave in. Oh, that's a good right now. Faith. That's a really good conversation. We can't talk. Well, I guess you guys can talk about it. You you, you <laughs> could put two two minutes. Two minutes. I can't. I know I can't. I need to go. I need to go. Faith, faith, faith is going on a run, and she's leading a group. Trail Runner Nation runs are priority, priority over right. podcasts. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a group of how many waiting for you right now, Faith? Uh, I Th- think there's four, at least four coming. Four? Four? That's not a You're group. You're dropping us for four? But it's, it's a growing group. <laughs> it's a growing group. There's four here. I'm promoting <laughs> Tailwind. I'm promoting Tailwind tonight, so I need to get everything ready. Nice. Okay. So. Well, good. Thanks for joining us, Faith. Yes. Darren, thank thanks for uh, Run bringing Moss. Faith over here. <laughs> okay, Very good to meet you, Faith. Are we pausing? <laughs> no, we're not pausing. This is the exit. You know, we're keeping it live and real. We are an, ed- we are an edit-free podcast. <laughs> Erica, Erica, when you do directing movies, do you uh, edit those movies at all? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we don't do it. We Erica, don't, come on. We don't know how. We need, we need some help on learning how to edit. Okay, we're inviting Erica over here. Oh, your accent's fine. Come on over. Come on over. <laughs> We'd like to uh, welcome welcome Erica Pohl over here, and uh, er, er, welcome Erica. We understand you're a runner, and we'll get into our next topic in a second, and then we'll get your input er, on Erica's it as well. going on a run tomorrow also. Yep, with my wife and uh, a group of, of uh, gals that are running tomorrow. Also, also a short uh, a section of Western states. They'll be doing uh, the Overlook up down and down uh, No Hands Bridge and up and around. So it'll be a nice eight to nine mile run. Beautiful. Beautiful run. You'll like Looking it. Forward. What kind of <laughs> shoes are you wearing tomorrow, Erica, since it's on our uh, topic? Well, I have a pair of Salomon. Mm. You know, I have a pair of Salomons. Those are good shoes. Yeah, I found it really good. From, yeah. Good. So the topic now, as I was changing topic. Wait, Salomons are, are Salomons, is that an Italian shoe? Oops. Uh, I don't think so. There are Salomons uh, Sp- Spain. Oh, they're Spain. That's right. Yes. Sorry. Spain, Same Italy. sort of area, though. Def- definitely a European-style <laughs> shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the topic here, as we're on Western states, but this applies really to all trail runs that are becoming more and more popular because, let's face it, this sport is uh, growing. I, and, see I see where you're going. And the demand is uh, you know, ever-increasing to get into races. And one of the races that is well-known, but the size of the race is, is by attendance is small. Now, it could be much bigger, and we're talking about Western states. And the total number of entrants is around 384 that it has to average over a three-year. And, and, and this, is, this is close. You know, as, a, as, as word and information is passed on on the trail, this is what I've learned. And there may be students out there that have read all the bylaws, and I'll say Freeman's off by this or that. But I'm very close. So about three, 384 runners. And this was because on the year that they decided there needed to be a cap some years back, that they, uh, because of the impact on the terrain and the access for the crews and, and the natural environment, they were going to cap it at the number of runners that was in the year 1970, whatever it was, 384. I think that was uh, not uh, a Western states imposed. I think that was imposed by the National Forest. Oh, right, right. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Western states didn't, didn't, uh, didn't uh, set that limit. Right. And so they need to average that over time. So. If someone uh, applies for the race and, and ends up with an Achilles problem and can't run, that entrance then can be rolled over to the next year. So some years have 400, some years have 350. You know, I mean, it's just so it has to average. Um, 
Now with the popularity, the number of entrants that are applying for this particular race has been ever increasing. And I'm going to share with you here, how did this happen? I was all set up, ready to go. In 2000, in the year 2000, there were 583 applicants total. For now, like 400 places. Yeah, yeah. And so, so a pretty good chance of getting in. So yeah. your name went into a Gatorade bucket. And then uh, on the morning of the lottery, they would reach their hand and pull it out and read it. And if you didn't make it on year X, on year, the next year, you would get two names inside that bucket so that you had an ever-increasing chance. And then there was a rule that said if you are a two-time loser, the third year, you're an automatic. So how nice was that? I mean, every three years, you were guaranteed a slot into this great race that's around here. And that was uh, back in the day. But the day has changed. In 2005, there were 791 applicants. So an increase. 2008, 1,350 applicants. 2010, 1,693. And listen how it increases. In 2011, 1786. That was the year I got in. 2012, 1940. And in 2013, 2,295. Now, there are a certain number of spots that are automatic. If you're a top 10 men or a top 10 woman, you're in. If you win certain uh, Montreal Cup races, you're in. And so, uh, and there's a certain number of people that get in on an aid station. If you volunteered, each aid station can put somebody in. So there's ways to get into the race. So the total number out of the lottery bucket is about 250 in that range for these 300 spots. Now, if there's 2,295 or so applicants, your chance is 1 in 10 getting in, not an automatic on the third year. So things have changed. In a decade, if you've entered every year and qualified every year, you may not even get to run this race. There's well, not a- and, and, and our, our good friend Jimmy Dean Freeman, how many times has he entered? Well, he'll tell you. He's on like six. I, I want to say five or six times. Yeah, he and he, it had, yet? He, yeah, he's, he's run, he's it. run it before, right. but the last five years he's put in and has not got drawn. He ran know. it, and then it was it was a fire year, I think, that he was in it, and then it, we, then it, you know the race never happened, so he had some bad luck. But he's having a hard time getting back in. Well, that's got to be hard as well. To if you're planning to make this your A race, mm-hmm. when do uh, when do you get when do you get to know if you have a place? December. Or not? And the race is in what, like July. June, July? June, end of June. Right. Yeah. So there's plenty of time there to, you know. So so some people are just some people are just entering because they don't think they're going to make it, and they want to get that extra name in the bucket for the next year. I mean, some people are just saying, I, I probably won't make it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter anyway. So that raises the question that they have recently changed is the qualifying um, requirements. We used to have races that there were 50-mile races that would get you in and allow you to, to become a, an eligible applicant. So to decrease this high number of 2,295 applicants, they're making it more difficult to get in, and here's what they've done. No more 50-mile runs will get you into the race. Only 100K runs, certain ones, and certain 100-mile runs. So they've, they've raised the bar to become a, an applicant for this race. And I know that they've taken this not lightly because... They want to be true to their original roots, where Gordy Ainsley, who started this whole thing, had never run 100 miles before he ran and this he race. he just went and did it, didn't he? Well, he does it every year. Yeah, but, but the first year... He... Yeah, the, yeah, the first year, he, the furthest he had run, I think, was maybe marathon distance or a little bit further. Uh, uh, well, we'll have to go back and I, review his I, history, I, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. But he had never run 100 miles, and that's how he started, is he decided to run this thing. And so... 
they wanted to stay true to that or try to and say, you know, a lot of people have never run 100 miles. I was one of those. I had never run 100 miles before I ran Western States. I, How far had you gone before uh, that? 50 miles. Right. I never even, even had run 100K before. And so I was one of the lucky ones that are now history. Mm-hmm. So the question is, um, what do you think about about that uh, increasing the, the level of difficulty to get in? Is that is that something that you see what this race is doing? Do you see it uh, in other races, too, that have a difficult factor to, for entry? Any thoughts? Um, 100%. That's what they do at Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Every year, the, the qualifying criteria have gone up and the number of points you need to score. You know, there are more qualifying races out there, but you need to score... I mean, you, I think you just need to score like three points in two races with like a 50-miler on the flat would probably count for one point, mm-hmm. and uh, anything above 50-miler on some rough terrain with a good amount of climbing, that would count for your, your two points, and you'd be in. And these days, I think it's up to about... Uh, you need seven points. Oh, wow. And it can only come from three races... So you can't have seven one-point races. And, mm. you know, they score all the races based on self-sufficiency, distance, and uh, cumulative ascent and descent. So a marathon on the flat scores zero. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, uh, or if, if it's a multi-day self-sufficient, so like Marathon de Saab would score, I think, possibly five. Hmm. But you're still not all the way there with that. And then e- even then you, you have a... I would guess it's about a 50% chance of getting a place because it's so popular. But what they've also done is they've been able to add more support races in. So you might not get a place for the main one, but hey, do you want to come and run the 60 miler or, you know, going the other way or something like that? But just looking at that, what if Western States is being true to its roots and will let anybody run on a very uh, simple qualification basis? By doing what they've done, aren't they just pre-selecting people rather than letting the random luck of the draw do it? Does it actually change whether the number of people who get in or not? Because the the ultimate number is the same. Oh no, no, the number is going to be the same. Uh, that's not going to change. But the the uh, the um, we, it would be interesting to see what the the statistics were of those two hundred two thousand two hundred people that applied last year. How many of those had actually run more than fifty miles? Yeah, it'd be interesting to. F- I'm to sure know they that. know that they've probably done a little math on oh, that. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Well, one of the things they've done is is they haven't said you have to run a 24 hour 100 mile run. They haven't right. said that. They said just finisher. You have to be a finisher In, w- within the qualifying time uh, within that 100 miler finish limit. Right. Time limit. If it's 33 yeah. hour finish, right. you just have to finish in you know the 33 hours. Right. So I think that's good. Mm. And, and then they've. You know, locally, we only have two races, the Miwok 100K and, and uh, Tahoe Rim Trail, that are qualifiers. So, here Well, I, and I think even in the United States, there's only a total of six 100K races in the whole United States. So you st- And these races I just referred to are both lottery. So you've got a lottery up. So, so here, here's the question. Are those races going to be much, much harder to get into? Well, that was, Absolutely. That was part or, of the social media stuff. People were, were already applying yeah. you know, for some of these races. Or does that open the door for other 100K races? Well, they've and, only selected so many. You know, they, they have already selected the ones that are qualifying. And they're all over the world. If you look at the list, they're over in Europe, and they're cognizant that this is a, a worldwide attraction. Well, maybe it becomes a bit like the way the, the UTMB thing has spread. And... 
actually that's only good for the sport, I think, because what it does is there are more people looking to qualify because there are more runners. Therefore, there are more races that can be supported and there are more races that apply, apply to be qualifiers. Therefore, you don't end up running some tediously dull 50-mile race on roads somewhere that's not been planned very well. You know, you do get something that has to fulfill the criteria for these proper A-list races. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you're going to get, you know, good trail. Uh, you're going to get maybe through the night or, you know, it should only broaden the menu for us all to go, go running, hopefully. The, the races that they've selected are, are tough mountain races. None of them are flat and, you know, all downhill. The, the Miwok and both uh, Tahoe Rim Trail have a lot of elevation on them. Well, you know, and the, the argument, devil's advocate here, the argument that I've seen in social media um, over the last week that this, is, this announcement has taken place is, is now it pushes people to these specific races, which gives those race directors... Um, kind of a monopoly or, or a greater opportunity to, to make their races more popular. And it pulls away a lot of draw from some of those 50-mile races that mm -hmm. were qualifying 50-mile races that now all of a sudden they may lose their popularity because people aren't going to be running those anymore. Well, we Four had, qualifiers. We had a race locally here called the Last Chance 50-mile that was right on a Right on a flat course, out and back, a lot of road stuff, but it was a it was an easier fifty mile, and and that was my first fifty mile. And as you uh, as you finish it, you know that you're now qualified as a Western States runner, and that some of the people that finish that within the qualifying time really aren't ready for a hundred mile mountain race. They're just I, not I, ready. I, I would beg to differ because that was my qualifying race for uh, Western States. Uh, well, I paced you. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry, Scott. Well, sometimes, you know, you know. Oh, is it time running, up run, yet? running partners have to be honest with one another. I, I think we just need someone to ring a bell here, get a bucket for these two to spit oh. into, put them in their corners, and bring them back in just a minute. So, oh. you know, Eric, if you could just put the board up for the next round, please, we'll, we'll get them out. You know, Scott's such a such a good Ouch. and wise guy. He set me up for that. I'm still. You out, know, he set me up. I'm still out of breath. <laughs> That's what friends are for. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you two are talking about at this this pacer pickup point of, that we're running at tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be a, a a great time. This is one of the, probably one of my favorite parts of the whole of the whole Western States Trail. It's beautiful. Good. You don't like the canyons? The canyons well, are. Well, you know, this is considered part of the canyons. To get yeah. to the river, it's part of the canyons. So it's the last tail of the canyons. It's not the it's not the heart, the real middle part. But you know, you can't beat running down to the river and starting to it pour is, still. It is a beautiful. I want to know in the river. Uh huh. We swimming in the river tomorrow? No. You can go dip yourself in the river if you're feeling like you need a little recovery. Ice bath for the legs, perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, there used to be a race. I, I don't know why anybody hasn't picked this up, but there used to be a race, uh, a 50K race, called Rucky Chucky Roundabout, which would go from Forest Hill to the river, then you turn around and climb back out. But that, that's no longer a race. Yep, that's, a, that's a good run. That's, a, that's kind of a staple, one of the staples of uh, out, an out-and-back for state's preparation or, yep. any, or any course around here. So, another one? An, another topic. Well, you got I, a topic? I, I tell you what, I've had a, I've had a long time traveling here, so I should have thought of something. And here's one. Here's one. For <laughs> and let's bring Erica into this, because she has perception and insight. Erica has perception and insight, and um, funnily enough, perfectly teed up there, exactly 
what I was going to next. Because <laughs> if you were to find yourself in an injury situation as a guy yeah. and you need to uh, do your rehab, one of the key parts of that is you know, when your therapist or whoever says do your exercises X times a day, and do it. Put your training effort into mm. – you can't train anymore. Put your training effort into your rehab if it really matters to you and, and get on with it. Um, but the key part that I think they don't mention is once you are running again with an adjusted form or whatever it is, you've, you've got to be listening to your body. You've got to back yourself back in gently. Um, gents, leave your ego in a jar at home. Okay, now I, I – you know, when you're better than average at something and whereas if I, if I go to a big race, I'm, you know, I'm mid-pack at best – we all have to recognize, I think we talked about this before, that as ultra-distance runners, we occupy a very tiny group. Comparing yourself to the guys at the front is is good for motivation, but you should really sometimes step back and look at your achievements in context of population at large. You know, most people can't run to the front door. So mm -hmm. you're in a good place. So, you know, as a guy, it can be easy when you go running and you're reasonably good at it. If people overtake you in the local park, or, or in my case, <laughs> you know, little old ladies with their shopping overtook me at the start of my rehab um very hard no matter how humble you like to say you are very hard to put that ego in the jar and um erica has been an enormous help to me in getting me going again because she is a runner too mm -hmm. uh, has run up to half marathon very well and um but it was rare on longer runs or anything we get to run together because we're at a different pace but now we've run together and running with Erica, that calming female influence has stopped me from running off the leash and overdoing it too early and has been a key point in my rehab. So I'd just like to say thank you to my <laughs> wife here for helping Aww. me on that rehab. But I think to also slow it's, you down. <laughs> it's been perfect for us to run together. How has it been for you? Has it actually been helpful for you as well? Oh, yeah. Of or course. have I just bored you with of my... Of course. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a big runner. I like to run. But the fact that Warren is a good runner, so for me it's motivation and I push myself to go faster. So it's good. It's good for me, it's good for him. I slow him down if I make me fast. So a perfect combination. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. When you're running together side by side or... Yeah. Well, Warren is always competitive in any case, well, well, so he wanted to speed up. He always go in front that's, of me. That's what my question is. If you're running side by side, does he have to be a half a step ahead? Always. <laughs> <laughs> and when there is someone close by, you know, you just see someone faster, you say, he start to speed up. <laughs> you see some other runners. Yeah, I think that's kind of natural for all runners. When you see somebody up in front, if you start to kind of pick it up a little yeah, bit, kind of, you know, like the lead dog thing, we just have a... I think really what it is is we just want to be around other runners. I don't think we're being competitive. We just want to be together. They give you the energy. We want to be in a pack. You feel the energy and yeah. you start to follow it. Then. Yeah. So now, now, now I've, t I've turned off the recording here. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <They're> definitely off. <laughs> yeah. Right. So was he a grump when he didn't get to run? Was he harder to live with? Well, I have to say yes. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Let's work see, through this, Erica. I think it's, you can see completely the difference. Because, of course, you know, relief, endorphin, when you run, I give you that energy, take away all the stress. And I could see in Warren, actually, uh, it's such a massive change of behavior and little things uh, every day. So the fact that now he's going back to run, oh, wow. <laughs> did you, did you ever it's get amazing. to the point where you had to go get when you went went to his closet 
picked his shoes up and threw them at him and said, go for a run? Um, no, because I know he couldn't run. Oh. <laughs> so it was, but it was frustrate. Yeah. His frustration was they couldn't run. So when he instead he found the solution, understanding which was his problem, there was a relief for everyone uh. <laughs> because he really you could see the difference of behavior the fact that he he knows he has a program and he will stick on it he was really good on that and stick on it on the program if it was very slow at the very beginning and changing completely his running and it's difficult you know you run all your life with a certain kind of step and suddenly someone said hey hold on you have to run completely different put your feet in a different position it's, it must be really difficult and I saw with Warren actually um, did change quite a lot and uh, and uh, now he's able to run again and to feel uh, you know strong so it's good to understand which is your weakness now you know? did he do some cross training on a on a I, I could ask him this but I, but I'm asking you because I, I like your answers <laughs> better because um, <laughs> most people do. I realize I'm, I'm blatantly out of this from, from now on. <laughs> I'd like to hand over. I hope you like getting up at 4 a.m. because we don't want him to talk anymore. <laughs> well, I can I, stay in bed. Well, I, I know we can get some honest answers from you because, you know, yeah. fellow runner, we do kind of maybe skew a little bit. So how about cross-training? Was that, was that part of his world? Did he, was he swimming and biking and doing other things to keep his sanity? Well, he did the biking. Some biking, yeah, he did. Couldn't do too much again because if you put too much uh, um, strength and uh, you know impact again on the, uh, it was difficult. But he was doing actually was doing uh, quite a lot of cycling. He did actually a really nice cycling uh, with Bianchi stuff. Mm. You can explain better than uh, me. It was a beautiful ride in Tuscany that I mm. did. But uh, actually, in the early days, part of the greater frustration, I couldn't cycle either. Because, again, that put load through the Achilles, which the right one needed no load. Mm -hmm. So cycling was out. Swimming I don't really like. Um, (laughs) And I was, yeah, it it got very frustrating to find something to do. So literally I would be up in the park at 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock at night doing an hour or two of rehab exercises. I have done Mm -hmm. literally probably millions of eccentrics by now. (laughs) So Warren, you know, we get a chance to talk to you about running and all kinds of things, but let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about what you do day to day because not everybody gets to go to Australia and then we know we spoke to you in India and now you're here in America and I, I know you're a journalist. You get to ride on uh, Lance Armstrong's bike. Yeah, just let us little uh, know a little bit more about WarrenPole.com or Warren Pole. Well, it, it's becoming um, an increasingly difficult thing to define now. It, it, <laughs> if someone said, what's your job? It, it was simple. I used to, I'm a journalist. That is that is what I do. Um, but being freelance means I have a great freedom of time uh, and my income goes up and down like a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, you have no guaranteed income any month. Uh, you're always pitching for work to keep that. It's like being a monkey swinging through the trees. You've always got to have that next branch. And you know, as, as long as you can keep that, you're all right. But the job itself throws up an incredible amount of opportunities. If you can stick in it long enough and build your contacts well enough and you know, carve out your niche um, and keep those good clients commissioning you with stories, you get asked all over the place, hence why I was in India that time. And, and you know, that, that's what took me out there. The, uh, it also means that when your friend gets, one of your best mates gets married in Australia, <laughs> then you can go, well, yeah, we are coming. 
because you don't have an employer to check with first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a tricky. And, and you get an employer to uh, buy off on a story in Australia. Well, I, I looked at a story in Australia. I nearly actually became news in Australia. Within seven hours of landing, I was being uh, rescued off the coast of Manly by uh, a Coast Guard jet ski and helicopter. Do tell. What, how did that happen? If you don't have a story, make a story. That's Warren's, that's <laughs> oh, no, Warren's model. This is, this is definitely... This is uh, my, my friend. He's, uh, he likes his outdoor adventure sports. And uh, we go back a long time, and he's a very trustworthy guy, but he's very reckless as well. But I, it, he's got a good, sensible head on underneath it all. So when he said, let's go surf skiing, which is like, it's like kayaking, but on something about as thin as a pencil and about as long as two cars end to end. And uh, you know, the, it was blowing a 30-mile-an-hour wind, and the, the waves were higher than us. <laughs> and I thought, that doesn't look like a very good idea. And, but I thought, I trust him. He's an expert at this. We'll go out in a two-man surf ski. Let's go. And uh, I turned out to be good enough at it that him paddling away at the front thought, oh, he's doing better than I thought. We won't go this short, easy way I was going to go. Let's go (laughs) way out round this headland a kilometre offshore. Then I fell out. Oh. And it was quite cold. It was very rough. It was like, have you seen that movie, The Perfect Storm? Yes. Yeah, it was like I felt like I was in that. Uh, there's a lot of sharks off the, that particular coast of Australia. Did he know you had fallen out? Because he, you're in behind him, right? Or did he just keep on going? Well, the good thing is that a tandem surf ski won't really go anywhere in those conditions oh, with okay. one person not doing anything. So he realized I was gone. He fell out. It's very difficult to get back in. Uh, then I got back in. Then I fell out, got back in, fell out. And, you know, sort of had to forget about the sharks at this point. But this was the first time in, if I think, anything I've done where rather than it just being... This will be a great story when we finally get it sorted. (laughs) I'm like, I wonder if we are going to get this sorted. So when, after 40 minutes of being stuck out there, slowly drifting towards New Zealand with no real hope, we tried, he tried towing me back. I tried swimming. um, We tried attaching the paddle onto the surf skiing. We were just going further offshore (laughs) and further and further. And uh, while he does assure me it's okay, I was very glad to see that Coast Guard jet ski. How did, how did they know you were out there? Well, they we we didn't have uh, any way of them knowing other than the fact they just happened to have been watching. Oh, wow. They had been watching from the beach with the binoculars. Ah. And they sent the jet ski out, and uh, they also sent the helicopter at the same time. Wow. <laughs> so I, I was returned to shore uh, on, a, on a jet ski. The helicopter was not needed, um, and uh, it turns out to be a very funny story. But seven hours after landing in Australia, having left the beginning of the British winter... I had hypothermia, despite it being 32 degrees out there. Hmm. <laughs> Celsius, Don. Celsius. Yeah, yes, Celsius. Yes, yes, yeah, I, was, I was doing the math real quick. Yeah, he's Sorry. thinking, that's pretty cold. <laughs> no wonder you had hypothermia. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that got me out here. Now, what we are, Erica and I, are here for now, we have also started um, a little business venture related to our ultra-distance exploits, and you guys are, are aware of this. And, and if it's all right, I'd like to just keep it under wraps until oh, our yeah. next chat because we are here to launch that said venture in the United States of America. Er- Erica would call this in the movie business a cliffhanger. We're going to keep exactly. people on the edge of their seat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so give us another example of something just that you've done that's just unexpected, crazy, not, not to top being towed in from a from a jet ski by the Coast Guard, but what are some assignments that you said, I never thought I'd be here? 
Well, I, I rode in the uh, Swedish motorcycle ice racing final um, on, a, on an ice race bike. Okay, with, stop, 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 stop. you got to back up and explain every single word of what you just said. Swedish motorcycle ice racing championship. Yeah, so um, I used to – I started in journalism as a motorcycle journalist. I did uh, like nine or ten years. I've been obsessed with bikes my whole life, and I spent nine or ten years testing bikes and racing them. Uh-huh. And um, I then did a TV series for Discovery where I had to do a different race in a different motorcycling discipline in a different country every episode. And one of the most random, they were all pretty random, was um, the ice racing in Sweden. So Sweden, uh, very, very cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously a lot of ice. What they do is they basically get a massive, imagine something the size of a, a football pitch, but it's coated in ice. You then put a, a loop on it, like a 400-meter running track, but bigger. Um, spikes on the tires? Spikes two inches long on the tires. So you've got a chainsaw oh. at either end of your bike. You don't want to get run over. Well, this is the best bit because there's no, no because they the spikes give you such a grip, the bike leans to such an angle that they have to cut the left handlebar, because it's always a left-hander, they cut the left handlebar shorter <laughs> than the right. They have no foot peg on the left. So your foot, which is in a motocross boot, which if, if anyone's worn a ski boot, it's like that. So you've got no feel uh, and you have hypothermia in your foot, so you can't feel it, has to balance on something about the width of a sort of, I don't know, uh, a couple of straws, which is attached to this back wheel. And, um, you know, you, you've got some leathers on the stuff, but really, that's a spinning chainsaw. And, and all of and the... How, how long are the races? How many, how many laps do you do? It's nearly until everyone's dead, which takes... <laughs> <laughs> that takes about 30 it's a, seconds. It's a race of attrition. <laughs> <laughs> that that takes about 30 seconds. So I, and I, my first ever ice race, I lined up alongside the Swedish champion who, funnily enough, he beat me. I was just happy to come back with my, my leg. Um, but then, I mean, let's see, last year I was in, uh, I, I drove a, a Land Rover from Geneva to Uzbekistan for three weeks i've taken rolls royces around the atacama desert in chile that we've seen the video that's on warmpole.com warmpole.com yeah. under your your video gallery that that that, yep. sh- that should be in there and I, i'm trying to think actually when people put me on the spot like this it, it, there's been too many of these things that happen I, I went sailing on the um the guy who won he came third in the round the world vendee globe yacht race he's got like a like what would it be a six million dollar racing yacht and when he took that to the start i sailed to france with him i've never sailed before in my life and I, there's me wow. and him going across just the two of you yeah on this is like a formula one car of racing yachts yeah so and was, were, you, were you the the what do you call them on the deck the don't swabby, look at me the swabby <laughs> i mean were, I, I was were, just, you, were you the hey deck boy raise the sail i, I was mean, just what? a piece of baggage <laughs> literally he's a he solo sailor he didn't need me at all oh. basically he had a, we had a great time and then as soon as night fell it was very rough we were going very fast and i spent most of the night being sick off the back of the boat <laughs> oh, yeah there's 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 some pros and cons to to that adventure that you're living there's 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 a few but to, to bring it back to where we are it yeah. is is that as i got into running personally and ultra distance personally it filtered into my work Mm-hmm. A lot of the national papers I write for, a lot of the fitness magazines, they love this stuff. There aren't many people you can call and go, well, can you run 50 miles next week or can you do this? Or can you? So I'm so lucky that I get to do races. Someone will pay for me to go there. Mm-hmm. I get paid for writing about it. I've done my training. I get to meet people. I get to pick people's brains. My contacts book for the sport I love grows. My stimulation for being in it grows, much like being here with you guys now. I mean, how random is this? Seriously. 
crazy. Oh yeah, random surreal. for us. Yeah, it's uh, we were anxious about this, and when you called and said you were coming, we just thought this is going to be great. So, so here's my question: what uh, what haven't you done that's on on the that, list that you would like to do in your wildest imagination? The the, there's very little, to be honest. I'm I'm trying to think of the one. I mean, the sky run diving, 18 miles of Western states with Don and Scott. 18 miles of Western <laughs> states with you guys is, is going to have to be be about up up the top there because I mean, there was shark diving, there was skydiving, there was this. They they've all been. Oh, this is riskier with us. Yeah, and, and I, I I really think that that a bit of this would would be where it where it's at. But if anyone out there does happen to um, own a MotoGP bike. That was the only bike I never got to ride in my 10 years as a bike journalist. So I have no idea what that is. Do you know what that is, Don? No. Two what, wheels? What's a Moto it's, it's a Formula One car of motorcycle racing. So Isn't um, that what you have, no. Don? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I do not. So, Eric what, Eric, what do you think about this? What do you think about your husband out doing these I crazy say, adventures? I was very scared about his do answer. You, I said, "Oh my God, what is going to answer now?" Do, do you get to go I on? Lo- do you get to go on location no, with him? Normally not, because he is his job, you know. And so I have my job. So <laughs> it's not sometimes happen actually, like um, some race, uh, running race or stuff like that. Yes, uh, and. Uh, I'm also excited sometimes when I do the support for him. Yeah. So driving all the night and bringing things. And that's a, that's an endurance event in its own, isn't it? I Being a crew. It. Especially if I go with friends. So we have fun <laughs> in the meantime. Lots of wine? Lots of wine? <laughs> well, no, because you're driving, you know. Oh. But you have a lot of stories to speak about all the night. Yeah. Know? And then uh, seeing him arriving at the place is good. But how did one one thing I remember? We we as you know, you said earlier, Don, that as we're all into this ultra running and the trail running, then we maybe skew some of the things we we say and that we talk about. Now, Erica is a a non ultra distance runner. What was your impression (laughs) yet through the night at Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc of of what you saw? Guys, I mean, I wish you can all see the pictures. We will see people coming toward us with. Scary faces. Basically, <laughs> they w- it was so cold that everyone they have a, a kind of a just one facial expression, mouth open, eyes open. It was kind of zombie kind look. Of, yeah. the skin changes colors. Skin, skin green, gray. green and gray. Oh, everyone yeah. Everyone, we said, yeah. "Oh my god!" <laughs> Especially my friend, she never saw something like that. She saw all this arriving, looks like from a war or something like that. That's what made me want to uh, become a runner. I saw that. Really? Yeah, I said, I've oh, got to have some of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's like that's the good look. bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> did you think the same thing when you saw, did you ever see somebody in an ultra before you ran an ultra? I, I saw some of it and, and one of the things I do love about it is because actually one of your things you say, you know, anything else on the bucket list and, and there are plenty of things there and one was the Paris-Dakar rally on a motorbike was an idea of maybe doing that and a sort of near-death experience on a similar event possibly put that one on hold for now whereas ultra distance running seems to fit a massive physical and mental challenge but with the exception of achilles injuries and things like that you're unlikely to smash yourself to pieces doing it which headed towards a you know being older with a body that doesn't bounce quite as well and having made a mess of myself in the past it's quite attractive to be able to get so much push yourself so far and so hard 
in an environment where really, if it goes wrong, you stop. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, is that something you guys have found? Well, I, you know, I think, well, there's some safety in it. You know, there, you have good medical crew that will, will cut your band and say you're done, you know, and, at, and they check in on you at every, you know, X number of miles as you're through an aid station, you know, 8, 10 miles, whatever it is, 6 to 12. I have a question on that. In, in, in Europe, do they have medical checkpoints where they can actually pull you from a race if they feel that you're in jeopardy? I've never seen one okay. uh, apart from in the marathon sub. Okay. Um, not to say they don't exist, but I, I think it's pretty self-selecting, that kind of thing. Normally people, people keel okay. over. I think that's something that we take for granted sometimes. Well, we try to avoid it. You know, I've pulled into <laughs> right. the aid stations and <laughs> wait till I see my weight and tell them it's exactly on. That's where I've been all day and don't disregard this number on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> it was inaccurate from the start. So, we, so you, you actually get checked out at... About four times in a 100-mile race, about 25-mile, right. 50-mile mark, 75 in that, in that range, you know. Makes sense. And they, they check you and make sure... And they used to pull you if your weights were off, and now they're kind of with Tim Noakes' book, and you know they're Water just taking logs. a whole other look at this weight thing, and and so they're they're using it as uh, the runners have that information to, for their own own use now. I think they're they're, mo well, they're mostly just asking questions: What's your name? <laughs> what day is it? You know that. Why sort of are you things. doing this? Well, they, no, they're still at, people are still at aid stations answering that question. Right. Right. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? 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 But I mean, is, is there another a sport that? offers the opportunity to take yourself as far and push yourself as far that I mean some people might say that doing this long term is bad for you but I, I think it's quite the opposite and it, it really can provide such an outlet in a relatively relatively safe environment well some of the healthiest older people that I know in context um, the healthiest guys and gals have been they're out there doing the run ultra running you know some 60. 70-year-old people that are just you know, just unbelievable and, and just their aura of fitness and their enthusiasm for life and their being an optimist and just people you want to be around. They're just, they're, they're ageless. And that only happens if you uh, challenge yourself and, and push yourself and make your body work. And so that's, uh, well, that's, that's the community. That's one of the things, um, you know, I've told this story, I don't know if I've done it on the podcast or not, that intrigued me about this was the first 50 mile race I ran uh, it was an out and back and I had gone out and was on my way back and we were back you turned around and about one or two miles past the turnaround and uh, my buddy and I saw this old guy just shuffling along mm -hmm. heading towards the the turnaround so we, I was four miles ahead of the guy and he's just shuffling and I said see you know that's I, I want to be able to do that when I'm that age. And my buddy kind of elbowed me. He'd run many, many ultras before, and he goes, that guy's going to beat you. <laughs> I look at him and go, yeah, he, I have four miles on him. Yeah, he's not. Well, at mile 45, aid station, I'm getting something to eat, and my friend elbows me and said, look behind you. Here comes that guy shuffling along. And I said, we're going. The guy finished behind me. I didn't let him beat me. But uh, he was like a minute behind me. And I thought, you know what? That is cool. And that's, that's what I want. That's what I want to be able to do when I'm. I mean, the guy had to be 70 years old if he was 50. He was 70. Uh, I, I've run the, on the races and, and looked down at uh, uh, competitors, uh, fellow racers' legs, and they're just muscular and cut and just healthy looking legs. And then I look up, 
all gray hair. And I went, man, that's a 30-year-old set of legs on a 65-year-old body. And you know what they have that we don't? Wisdom. Mental toughness and experience and self-confidence. And that's, that's appealing to me. Yeah. And, and a toolkit for every situation. <laughs> You've been yeah. there, done that, right? Yeah. And, that's, and that's one of the nice things about ultra running, too, is if you happen to come upon someone during a race or even in a training run, you can ask them questions and they'll help you out. Say, you know what? I'm not, my, you know, my leg's starting to cramp up. What do I do? And they'll very freely offer advice. Well, say, it may be completely wrong, but they will offer advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe wrong. Well, we, we were just talking with uh, Lee McKinley, who's been on the podcast before and, and a great, great runner that we, that we run with. And he just qualified for uh, Kona um, up there at um, Tahoe, the 100-mile, the, the Ironman up there. And it was so cold that there was frost on the, you know, ice on the bike. And that at his tri bar, because of the cold, metal, you know, things got smaller and loosened up. And he had to actually hold one of his tri bars up during this this race, and he was asking fellow um, tri athletes, "Hey, do you have a uh, um, Allen, Allen wrench. wrench? An Allen wrench?" And you know, inevitably, that nobody had one. It's like I think they checked his age group first to see if they were competing against them, and <laughs> and, and uh, but nobody had one. And I and I thought, you know, that's so much different than the trail community because the trail community would say. Uh, let yeah. me see. I don't have one. My friend has one, and, he, and he's at his car. Let me see if he can shuttle it up to you at the next stage. People would just make, you know, find a way to help you. Let me whittle one out of a stick. <laughs> there you go. What size do you need? <laughs> let, let me use this finger. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that the uh, – and I know there's good people in the, in the um, tri community, but there's just a lot of just good people out there on the trails. I mean, that, that attracts me to trail running as well. I think we call it ultra running, but trail running in general, you yeah. know, whether – you know, it's five miles or, you know, 500 miles. They're, they're the same people. Well, I think it's another thing that the injury has forced me to do is to look at, you know, going for distance or per breaking personal best has been irrelevant this year. Getting running again and, and getting strong again has been part of it. And just with um, Eric and I have been lucky to travel around quite a lot this year, partly through work and jobs and other things. And, you know, we've run in, in the Dolomites in Italy. We were running on the coast in down outside Sydney just two days ago. We're going to run with you guys tomorrow. And the trail is just, you know, whether it's 10 minutes of it or, you know, because that was all I could do to start with or, or an hour, whatever it is, it's just such a nice place to get away from it all. We're going to have fun tomorrow. You keep saying this, and the oh. look in your eyes suggests it's going to be quite the opposite. No, no, no. it's just, you know, <laughs> you enjoy it. and, and, then, and I'm going to get to show you coming out of Cal 2. We ran the, on a night run, and I've told this story before, Scott, because it's one of my favorite stories, and, and it was foggy where you could only see just enough and where your headlamp created this... Torch. The torch. Your created, headlamp torch. Your headlamp torch created this, this little bubble, and at the top of that hill, because I had music in, and I was listening to American Pie, Don McLean came on, and it lasted about that length of that song gets you down pretty close to the bottom of that that hill that's all downhill that's um, switchback, and man, that was just one of the memorable moments of my trail running. It's just, it just gives me chills thinking about it. It was just so awesome. The trail brings some real memories, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think it definitely does, and I think I, I don't know if you've, you've found this as well, Scott, but I've in some of the other things I've done, really intense moments like you talk about, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up, and you almost have a sort of out of body experience. You can be sort of looking down on yourself. It's all a bit weird. Mm -hmm. Trail running is is one of the only other things that's ever given me that. You find that same sort of thing. It's it can be such a shot in the arm at times. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. 
Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> the only other thing I was spot on, Warren. <laughs> if you ever want some, you know, get get some good uh, feedback from Scott. <laughs> well, the the only other one I was going to throw in there, and I don't know how we are for time, so I feel free to tell me to shut up and we'll bank it for another day. Um, is plateaus, and I'm not talking about the ones oh, up, up right. the mountains, but you know, if if you you've got one, mm. how'd you break through it, Scott? Working on it. Oh, you, you what? <laughs> working on it is what you should do, or you no, are working on it? Working on it right now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that you just need to change it up. You know, what I find I get in the in a, a routine of running the same route, same trail, same day, same pace. Uh, I think you just need to break out of that. And what, and, what, and what are you doing to break it? How how do you make yourself break out of? I. That's a good question. I think one of the things that we that I need to do it's was is what Don's doing right now because he's training to uh, to do a be a pace leader at uh, a local California Invitational Marathon where he uh. he's leading the four hour pace group, and so he has to be out there right now running roads, yeah, which isn't necessarily fun, but it's 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 good because you're running a little bit faster than you normally would on the trail. I mean on a trail. And getting leg turnover and that sort of stuff, and I think it it, it just adds variety. Um, the problem is, is I just you know when he texted me the night before and says I'm, I need to run the roads tomorrow, I say have fun. I'm I'm going back out to the trail, and we're lucky enough that we have trails here close by. So, um, what about you, plateau boy? Breaking out a plateau. So well, breaking let's, breaking let, through it, so, smashing so, them. Yeah. Well, let's define the plateau. Let, so are we? Uh, we've reached a peak. And we're just can't performance seem, peak. a performance peak, and we can't seem to get through it, even though we're training. Is, are we talking about that, that plateau? That sort of plateau. That pretty we'll much talk sums about it that up. One. Okay. Spot on. Um, I have a theory. Well, after well, you're done. Okay. All right. I might take your theory. We, well, I'll, I'll just say, you know, we we've talked to uh, Phil Maffetone, mm-hmm. and um, he's worked with many elite athletes, and said one of the things, if if you're trying to build speed, um, you need to do his Maffetone method which is slow down and train in that aerobic zone, and that will help you become faster. And a lot of people think that just training faster is going to make you faster. And so that's uh, his solution, and I think that his theory could possibly be right. I'm still working on that. So some variety in training. Yep. Okay, that's not what I was going to say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although good. No, no, go for it. I'm still catching my breath from uh, oh, the I, earlier. Do, do we comment. need to ring that bell again? Get, <laughs> yeah. get the spit buckets out, gum shields out. Okay, back on. Oh, Scott, you know I love you. <laughs> Round three. There was nothing personal about that. Okay, so I would say, where are we? Plateau. Plateaus. Yeah. Kind of like the podcast is plateauing right now. How are yep. we going to bust through it? Yep. Okay, let's shake it up. Well, I, if, if you're training hard, right, yeah. and you just can't seem, I keep keep seeming to hit my same numbers. I can't get a personal best, a, a personal record, then what am I going to do? I think a lot of times it may be overtraining. I think that we need to rest a little bit, back off a little bit, give some training variety. If you what you've been doing isn't changing something, it's time to change what you're doing, that old saying. And I think there's a lot to be said for resting. And I and maybe more, more cycling, more swimming, and a little less running for a period of time, and building your body, letting it some of the areas that are working a lot freshen up letting knees freshen up, muscles freshen up and those things, and, and still containing a large aerobic base, and then and then re-enter running with some zest, enthusiasm, can't wait to get back out there, and you're going to bring a, still a large aerobic base, and then uh, go out there and execute a plan. And then, I'm still on it, Scott. Okay. And, and so then, 
and then and then li- lining out a plan. I'm going to do X over this period of time and, and then stick to it and watch it happen and expect it to happen. And don't be unrealistic. So there you go. I, I was just going to say back to the point you were making. Um, Did I make our, a point, Scott? Our, 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 was there yeah. even a point there? Maybe. <laughs> um, our good friend Lee McKinley yeah. um, has told us on runs that, that one thing that helped him break out of a plateau was getting on a bike and going and, and, and just pounding with some fast bikers. And that really helped him, especially in his, his, his uphill climbing, right? That's, that's what he said. His, his climbing on the trails had, had increased significantly when he put a lot of time on the bike. Yeah, interesting. And, and Lee, as, as, as we've talked about on the podcast, has divided... He's watched other runners, other great ultra runners, and found that the lifespan of that real elite athlete is only so long. And, and then they kind of... Something happens. Because they're running so hard. And well, Tony Kropichka talked about that. He wants longevity. Yep. And so he's divided up his time into a third of the time in the pool, a third of the time on the bike, and a third on the on the trails. They and should make an event that has... <laughs> with, with, with all three sports? Yeah. It, it'd never catch on. Oh, please. No. I mean, what would you even call it? We could wear spandex or something? Yeah. Yeah. Make, Go ahead, Don. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, I, I deserve a lot of this. And, and, and so um, he, he's done that to just for longevity. And, um, and he says he's more enthusiastic than ever to get out and run because he's it's his faster treat. than ever. Oh, that guy is now 52, and he's faster than he was, you know, 20 years ago, and he just keeps doing it, and it's amazing. I'm afraid to run with him. I, I, used, to, I used to be able to, you know, not worry about it, but now I have to go to sleep early and make sure I eat right the night before. I mean, all of those things— Janet would say, my wife says, what, do you have a race tomorrow? I said, no, I'm training with Lee. I, can, I, I, go, to, I go to go to bed. <laughs> well, I think training partners are another good part of it. I mean, we, we've, I think we've already, you must have done it before, the whole the training partner thing is a great part of training. But also introducing someone who really does give you a kicking mm-hmm. every now and again. You can't run with that person every weekend. They're not your, your friend to go running with the whole time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once a month, you, you know, you to break that comfort zone, you do need someone who is going to absolutely take you to the cleaners mm-hmm. to show you where another level might be. Do you think that the opposite of that could be true? Taking someone that isn't a trail runner and introducing them to the trail? And then just leaving them for dust. <laughs> okay, feeling great about it. And leaving them crying yeah, I'm working my ego today. I'm just going to bring somebody yeah. out and crush them. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> so you've never run trail before, huh? Come on out. That's a little bit of what I was thinking. <laughs> no. here's, a, here's a lamp to put on your head no, I think that with an I, extension cord. I, I think that there's some, uh, some fun in that. that, that, that <laughs> not, not leaving them, Don. Oh, well, by introducing, introducing, introducing someone new to the sport and, and maybe slowing down a little bit, like you were saying with Erica. And working your, with your form. And, yeah. and, and watching their enthusiasm. Right. And seeing, like, tomorrow, part of the fun tomorrow is going to be Absolutely. Warren seeing this trail and some of these views our, for the first trail. time. For the first time. Yeah. Right? And then he'll say, oh, I saw this part where Killian was jumping up over that ledge on Unbreakable on that movie. Did you know you're right watching here. that movie tonight? I hope I'm watching Have that movie tonight. Have you seen the movie? We've got it No, right because we, we can't get hold of it properly in the UK. Oh, well, yeah, there's, there's a tariff on it of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, but does it come with subtitles? <laughs> yeah, we can. I think it is. I think there is. They they change some of the so the aid stations for you will it'll say biscuits available and and uh, crumpets crumpets and tea. 
with Biscuits, a spot of milk. A, a little smile and, and some tea. <laughs> that, 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 that's your lot, and probably some, some lashing rain into the middle of it all. Well, I was going to say, we, we, we tried to bring some rain. It's been well, a little cloudy, but it's not going to rain tomorrow. Now, now, Erica, you're, you're a director of movies, correct? Yeah. Do you ever see your professions crossing where you will be filming and, and maybe producing? I, I mean, I could see a movie called The Adventures of Warren or something like that, and I would go. <laughs> well, no, actually, I already mind this and stuff because, you know, running and especially in the environment is so inspirational. You know, the top of these hills, so going down to lakes, uh, they're so beautiful. They're so inspirational, especially changing the lights from the morning to the evening, mm-hmm. change completely, and the mist, uh, you know. So I, I'm planning to um, to shoot a few things with Warren because it's, it's just so beautiful, you know. It's just the, the beauty of running that it takes you in places that otherwise you don't explore. And this is what Warren taught me when I was starting to run. Because before I was not doing, I was just doing, you know, just a gym, in a, yeah. in a gym, stuff like that. And then uh, Warren said, oh, why don't you come to run with me? I said, all right. So <laughs> Was this in the, the dating phase or was this after in marriage? the dating oh. phase. Uh-huh. And so we started to do, uh, my first run with Warren was 10 kilometers. I never ran a 10 kilometers before. So wow. <laughs> you could imagine how it was. He wanted to be a hero. Uh, I, I well, thought I was being chivalrous. I was chivalrous, the hero because I didn't run before <laughs> for so long. And you couldn't so. tell him that you had never run that far, right? You, oh, yeah, well, I'll no, go no, run no, 10K I told him. You. I told oh, him okay. I didn't run. So I was the hero because uh. if I was saying, you know, I already ran. No, I didn't. Uh, it was my first 10K. So it was very fun. And then after that, he said, um, why don't you do an half marathon? I said, okay. And it was this... <laughs> Uh, run to the beat that is very fun is in London and uh, there are bands all around so every I don't know two kilometers there is a band so you're looking forward to arrive to that band to hear the music but by the time you arrive you're gone (laughs) you can't even listen to a song basically because Uh. it's not really loud so anyway but it's very fun so that was my first half marathon and then after that, uh, he dragged me into triathlon. That I loved it. I, I just adore it. What's, fa- what's your favorite discipline of a triathlon? Well, th- I have to say that la- my last triathlon, it was brutal. Uh-huh. I supposed to hate myself to say, yes, I do it. <laughs> and uh, I did uh, this um, in France, uh, where they do the Tour de France. Uh-huh. Uh, that is very steep, the, the bike. It, the race is uh, it's at Alpe d'Huez. Now, Alpe d'Huez is one of the signature climbs of the Tour mm-hmm. de France. Um, and it, it, it's a very, very heavy mountain climb. It, it's a good... I think the pros might get it up, up there in about 35 minutes. Um, a, a reasonable amateur will get up there in an hour and 15 to an oh, hour and wow. a half, wow. grinding it in first gear the whole way. And that's before you've got to swim in a glacial lake, then you've got to ride to it, then you've got to cycle to stop it, then you've got a trail run on the top. Wow. And that was Erica's second triathlon. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Hats off. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Go. This is the life with Warren. You know, the step are jumps. <laughs> so you do a mini, mini step and then you do a jump. What he does also in his job, because when he does, you know, this kind of race and things, and also him, he does really big jumps. So I have to jump with him. 
In in at the deep end, you know, you can sink or swim. And in Manly last week, I very clearly nearly sank. But <laughs> thanks to the Coast Guard, here we are. <laughs> How do you break out of a plateau, Warren? Well, that, that's what I'm looking at now. And in terms of the running, I'm very much realizing uh, if I do the same thing, I get the same results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, my advice to myself has been to do the opposite. So I have never had a structured training program and I have never had a coach. Mm. So I am going to work with a coach for next year, just like this guy. Uh, it'll be like online and sort of email and stuff like that. So, you know, because writing is not the biggest money spinner out there. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we, we've, we've come to a, a suitable agreement and he has a plan. I, I want to see before it's too late, how, how fast could I really do something like Mont Blanc? I've done finishing. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's see. I, I wouldn't expect to be a winner anywhere near. But I would like to know, what, how much more is there if I really applied myself? And I, I have no idea where to begin. So, so that's a good point on, on breaking plateaus. You ha- there has to be a goal, right? Yeah. Something yeah. That, that has you drawn and focused on that particular, you know, some, something's got to make you get up and train hard and be disciplined and, and eat right and all of those things. There has to be a goal in mind. And I remember my first 100-mile run that I had to do, and, and I don't mean to always go to 100-mile stuff, but that was, that's one that I'm thinking back that just scared me, to, you know, to do things right and, and really push. And, and it was easy to get up and get out there and run in the morning because I was afraid what was going to happen to me. What was it that made you sign up for a 100-miler in the first place? Oh, was it, it just the sheer ridiculousness of it? It was, and, and that, that others had done it that I had run with and trained with, and, and I heard the stories, and I just wanted to, to experience the stories and, and have one of my own and, and just see if it... If, if that that beast could really, if I could handle that beast, and I wanted we, to, we we've discussed this before. Don is a is a marine, so he loves pain. <laughs> he loves a challenge. He friend. likes to push his he likes to push his body. That's just in a marine psyche, and so this is just an extension of who Don is. Well, I, I think in in boot camp when they injected you with all the vaccines, uh, <laughs> I think there was something more injected in you. I think they. <laughs> they you know put some DNA and reprogram some of your mind. Yeah, yeah. A, a bit of good six million dollar man and, and a bit of anthrax and a couple of other things in there for you, for yeah. good measure. Yeah, yeah, they test test it out. So I think you have to have a goal in mind, something to push towards, and that's I think why we sign up for races. I think you know we love trail running, um, but if you're going to reach your potential, and whether it's a race that you sign up for or what JB Bennett just did and and, uh, and went around. Um, Lake I mean, Tahoe. That sounded massive. I, I was sort of sat on the plane last night listening to this and doing the calculations in my head, and that, that's just such a huge amount of time he put in on his feet. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I think you know just creating a goal like that would uh, and that would that now maybe that would even frighten me more than having a supported you know hundred mile run because who do you have to rely on you know and and you'll hear in his podcast you know he relied on Mr Knee and Mr Foot and yeah, you know he, he started the trail pole he started to, naming his body parts yeah and so he's he was running with plenty out there so interesting interesting uh things that happened to you out there so tomorrow's the day the big day the big day the piece of western states trail if you'd like to start your filming tomorrow, you can come with us. <laughs> JB Benna, he ran 32 that miles. Would be a good idea. 32 miles with a camera in his hand when he filmed Unbreakable. Like a five pound camera yeah. or something crazy like you that. You should use a, you know, just a day hero camera. No, I have one. Uh, do you have yeah. one? Do you? Oh, bring it. So you bring it tomorrow? tomorrow? Yeah, bring it. Oh, and, I'll, and, I'll bring it tomorrow. And we, can we, post we have some a project, stuff. actually. You don't know about this yet, but we have a project. Yeah. Because uh, just quickly, we mentioned that whole running form idea, and a lot yeah. of study of running form is based on 
uh, fresh athletes because it's mm. very hard to get someone to run 50 miles then check their running form. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought based uh, in conjunction with the guys I'm working with back at home on form and rehab, uh, they, they're at the cutting edge of a lot of sort of biomechanical stuff in the UK mm -hmm. for runners. I thought we would look at how our form evolves or doesn't. Mm -hmm. with the use of the hero and you know we'll feed it back through these guys and we'll, we'll see what comes out we it, can be be our own i'll charge monkeys. the batteries good charge them up hey and interesting you might want to hook up with um uh, marty hoffman dr hoffman who at this year's western states had uh i think it was mile 38 and mile um 58 or so they had cameras oh. where we all ran through they knew our our numbers and then they, they had several cameras set up right along looking at our, you know, from our knees down. I don't know what they were looking at, but they were set up. We had to run through some cone section, and they watched our gate. And one of the things, I stopped to talk to him, of course, because I needed an excuse to stop. <laughs> 38, I didn't need an excuse. 58, I was there ready to, you know, take some notes. And I said, hey, you had some paper. Um, and he said that uh, they're looking at seeing how form changes. And throughout a race. Throughout the race. And I think they ask because, you know, things get fuzzy, but it wasn't fuzzy for them. I think they ask, what kind of runner do you think you are? Do you think you're a heel striker or a four-foot striker? Mm. I think they had asked that. It's funny how some things become fuzzy on those long, long events, right? <laughs> like, like most things. Yeah, but they wanted, to, they wanted to see how many people considered themselves four-foot strikers really that really aren't. Because a lot of us say, yes, I'm a four-foot striker. And we're clearly landing on our heels. What I'm not going to tell Don is that that was all in his imagination. <laughs> they were not no, taking no cameras, any video. No cones. Nope. No cones. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, you gotta. That's that's one reason maybe we go out there and push ourselves. Warren Pohl, Erica Pohl, thank you so much for coming all the way from Australia to Little Rockland, California, into our studio. That's uh, really a chiropractic. Studio office. G. Yeah, Studio G for good. And, and sitting down and sharing some time with us. Thank you well, for having us so and, and, and stoked to have been here. And maybe we'll t I'll, I'll post some pictures on this podcast description of our run tomorrow. Well, absolutely. In fact, let's get a picture of this group here talking. Um, you know, let's get a picture. We'll post this too because, you know, Warren's not going to come back next week. we got to get it now. Do a, do a selfie? <laughs> yeah, <a laughs> selfie. Is that what it's called? It is these days. I don't know if I can do so it. So for Faith Goss, who isn't here, had to exit early and go and uh, run with her her group that she's leading. We'll say goodbye for her. Warren, thank you. Erica, thank you. Thanks for the privilege to be with you guys. Absolutely. You're invited back next podcast, too, if you'd like to, you guys like to come back. Uh, <laughs> consider moving to the United States, and you could be regulars. I might shoot you guys. <laughs> she was making motions as a, as a camera. Yeah, she camera. wasn't yeah, going to shoot that us. Camera, yeah. Okay. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> so Trail Runner Nation members, go to trailrunnernation.com. Go out and uh, see us at Twitter at We Are Nation. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the podcast because he has no idea what he's saying. <laughs> and go out and run. Moss. <laughs> <laughs>